0: Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode number 44 for Sunday, March 16th, 2014. I'm Nelson DeWitt. And I'm John Younger. And we're the creative team behind the upcoming documentary film, Identifying Nelson Buscando a Roberto. To learn more about the film and to get updates, head on over to our website. Inbarfilm.com. That's i n b a r film.com. Today we are talking with Isabel and Anna, two Salvadoran adoptees from the New England area who went searching for their birth family. They share their adoption story, talk about the search, and some of the challenges they have faced along the way. We try to keep these episodes to around 20 minutes, so we've broken this interview up into two parts. Here now is part one with Isabel and Anna. All right. Our guests today are Isabel and Anna, and they are from Brattleboro, Vermont. And today we're going to talk about their journey to reunite with their family. And we're going to talk about some of the challenges that they faced in doing that. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for inviting us.
0: So maybe you could uh, each take a turn and introduce yourselves and, and tell us just a little bit about who you are.
1: Okay. Um, so I'm Anna, and I'm the, um, the older sister. And I currently um, am a preschool early childhood educator. And I uh, so that's my professional life. And my personal life is I'm a mother to a almost two-and-a-half-year-old and a wife. And so I have many different roles that I play every day. So that's my short bio. Mm -hmm. I'm Isabel. I'm the younger sister. Anna and I are biological sisters. We were adopted together. So we both live in the same town in southern Vermont. And I was the one who initiated the search with uh, Association Probusqueda and um, just Live in a small town, quiet life. <laughs> right now, that's about it.
2: Great. Thank. Thanks for introducing yourselves. Um, would you like to share a little bit about how how you disappeared and and what your you know, what your lives were like growing up in Vermont and how, um, your adoption and your reunion?
1: I think I think part of it, you know, obviously we we were um, we were taken from our families at such a young age that you know it wasn't until after when we were older that we each had our own memories dreams what have you and um, so you know I mean they're just like little images that I would have and I knew that it wasn't the life that I was leading at that moment that this was clearly some another life that I had had
2: Can I ask and, how, how old you were when, you, when it happened?
1: Well we were, well I was three well, no, according to uh, oh, that's right. Isabel was three, and I was four and a half or five. And then later on, we we learned that our birthdays probably weren't correct. That I was actually, in fact, older. Um, but at the time, obviously, you know, I was probably closer to uh, five. And then we came to the states in 1980 when we got adopted.
2: <laughs> where Where were you from in El Salvador?
1: Well, we I I saw it San Salvador, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Because she now has a clearer idea what was everything that she learned. So you can take over. Yeah, I've got a lot more information because I've been communicating with uh um, for years now and they did an interview with my mother. Um my birth mother our birth mother, whose name is Esther Montrola Lopez, and we found out the particulars of how we were separated and, you know, it was very traumatic. We lived in Santa Ana uh, in El Salvador, and we lived in a little village. And um, we were, our village was raided. At one point, our parents weren't home. They were working. We were in the care of relatives. And the village was raided by Salvadoran soldiers. Some of our family members were killed. Our aunt was wounded, and we were all taken to a hospital. Um, but when we were at the hospital, our aunt was unconscious. She couldn't speak for us, so we were taken to an orphanage. And while our mother didn't know where we were, she had to do a lot of searching, and she finally found out where we were taken. And when she got to the orphanage, they told her to go, Oh, well, they told her that they need, she needed to pay a certain amount of money and come back with our birth certificate. So they already were not believing uh, her story so it took her a while to gather those things because she was very poor. She is poor and she still is very poor so when she finally had those had those those documents and money she went back but then the orphanage told her that she should go to the courthouse um, and when she went to the courthouse she was told that we were already adopted so it all happened pretty quickly and then we were adopted by a single woman and brought to New England and moved on with our lives and our mother, you know, had this terrible, you know, this was a terrible thing to happen to all of us, but she was particularly, you know, abused, I would say, by the system there because she had us taken away from her and she tried to get us, but she could not get us back. So, yeah, basically that's how, you know, that's how we came to be separated. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. what was your um, what was your childhood like in in Vermont? I mean, maybe you can describe a little bit about you know, like my brother Derek and I. We we say in the film that we had a very typical, uh, you know, American upbringing. We went to summer camp and Red Sox games. Uh, so maybe, what was your childhood together like? I you
1: know I, I don't think it was. Um... I think it it was what it was when we were kids, but in retrospect, I think we actually didn't have a typical upbringing because uh, we were adopted by a single woman that had her own business, um, and uh, though that was you know that was becoming more common in the early '80s, I mean I think it was still so unusual to adopt without a husband or a male partner, and we were in Massachusetts at that point and we're she, in
2: Massachusetts.
1: Well, Marblehead. Yeah, okay. we actually around a lot. We started in Marblehead, then we were in Melrose, then we were in Riviere. I heard the
2: accent there. <laughs> when when well, you said Marblehead, I heard the
1: accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I try to make sure I have my R's in place. Um so we we bounced around in in the area and um you know, our mother, she liked to move. I, I think she just, she has a restless spirit about her. So we, we did a lot of moving within that area. And um, and it was just normal. It was normal to have a mom and no dad. and But we had support. We had our grandparents there, and we were very close. So it wasn't like we were isolated or living in a vacuum. We had... You know our playing our playground was Boston. My our mom owned her own business in Boston, and so we would go and visit her. And it was just really awesome. It was, I think, as a <clears throat> for me, it was just really cool. It was magical to go into the big city and strut around in um, whatever costume, whatever else that we picked that day. And I mean, it was just it was fun. It was dramatic. There was nothing unusual about that, except that you know I would I would have like dreams that I, I think are memories that they would only come you know during my sleep time, and then I would wonder about them. And what was really cool is that our mother never shied away from that uh, uh, that conversation about our adoption. She was quite transparent about it and tried to give us information um, as much as she had. And I think that that was so valuable because she, she wanted us to know that we were loved. Mm-hmm. So another thing I wanted to, I think it's good to uh, let you know, that we had an extra support system. My mother was a single woman when she adopted us, but she also had a group of women friends who were also single, and they also adopted children from uh, Central and South America. So sometimes we would get together with these other uh, people, and it would be like it was our second family. So, so yeah, and everybody, I mean, all of the children uh, attached and, you know, grew up pretty healthy, except we were probably, the two of us, Anna and I, were, you know, we, we thrived particularly... We thrived very well. We uh, we never had any problems. We always were good students. We were very loving. We loved our mother. We loved our adoptive family. And I think it was because, I mean, it was. I know it was, but Honor and I had each other. So we didn't have a loss of attachment. We didn't have to detach so much. We had each other. We loved each other. We had that, like, that given. So. You know, even though we were kind of, like, we were afraid when we first came here. We would say often we were afraid. Tango Miedo, I think is what we used to say. Um, we had each other. If We had nightmares. You know, we did funny things. We, like, hid food underneath the bed because we didn't know if there was going to be food anymore, you know, the next day. And we would laugh at our mother and we would sometimes call her names, but we had each other. So we had this little, you know, we had, uh, I had my family. We had our family still. We went through this mm-hmm. huge trauma and we lost our family, but we still had each other. So that's how that's how we're still this intact. We're still, you know, and that that's what partly gave me the strength to go looking for our birth family because I have this this foundation of love in my adoptive family. I felt like I had so I had love to give, and I felt like my mother. I mean, I started to feel a strong <laughs> responsibility to find my family, the rest of my birth family, as I got older. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> And that's been the the thread throughout Isabel's life, I think has always been that she has me, but she also always knew that there was another piece. And and she's really, I mean, it's, it's wonderful and it's amazing. Because I think for myself, I think I just would have gone on. I would have, you know, had my own family and I would have put it to rest. And because that's, that would have been the way that I could get to wherever I was going in my next, the next journey that I have. Um, So I really, I'm proud of Isabel for having done this. And um, Mm -hmm. it's amazing.
2: Did, did, uh, I guess one, one question that comes to mind for me is, it sounds like, like Nelson was adopted at a very young age and, and had no, no real concrete memories of what happened. It sounds like Anna especially, maybe you had some memories and and an idea of uh your past. And I'm wondering if it was different between the two of you and 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 uh how, how that affected things for you growing up.
1: You know, I I my memories I know that when we when I first got here, I definitely had more memories and I you know, as a child, I mean, I just, I clung to whatever was right there, and Isabel was right there, and I think, you know, those dreams were just bad dreams. As I got older, they, they integrated themselves into just a picture that I don't look at very often, or, you know, I, I, it wasn't, I think i was I was okay with that because I knew that I had loving family and I had a sister that i that was that had experienced the same thing that I had experienced, and um that was my sister and um, and I wasn't afraid um i think, I, I think that that' that could be a very frightening thing if you don't have someone that's experienced it or has come through on the other end with you. So, but I certainly, you know, when I think of how I'm going to share this with my daughter, it's I'm not going to not talk about it. It's going to be quite real and hopefully by that time we've been able to reunite with our mother, our bio mom, and I can have a tangible relationship with her and say to my daughter, "This is your other grandmother," and you know, and all of all of that. But um, yeah, it's it's been incredible, actually. Um, it's you know, I love my life. It, I wouldn't change it, actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So my experience was a little bit. I mean, well, it was, it was different. I went through a pretty bad period, actually. <laughs> I hate to say it, but. Uh, you know, to be pretty truthful here, I went through a period of PTSD around my mid-20s. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one um, because, you know, our you know our separation was so traumatic that I had to put it away as a child. I had to move on so I could live the rest of my life and adapt to this new family, and new country. But when I became an adult, started pretty much getting haunted. I, I was pretty haunted by, by memories in the past. I had concrete memories and I just could not let that go I had to like I had to find out the truth um and it was it was terrifying I have to say it was terrifying to have memories of my early childhood and but it was so important because that's what you have to do you have to delve into those scary places to become fully human to become who you really are and I think most people are doing that you know when they're in their mid-20s or they're just starting out in life and that's where I was and that's when you know I just was like compelled to find out the truth and to integrate these memories and to find out the truth and to become who I really am, to become fully whole again. So that's when I started, you know, searching for the family.
0: I think you both bring up great points in that, you know, I I grew up kind of on my own uh, here. In other words, I didn't have a biological sibling with me to kind of Uh, provide that support. So I really felt isolated. And, you know, my little brother, Derek and I, we got along great as, as siblings, but it, you know, especially in the teenage years, I noticed it more that, that there wasn't someone else like me that I could relate to. And so when I was reunited with my family, finding that became very important. And, And I think that's one of the reasons I became close to my uh, biological brothers and sisters. Uh, The other thing that you said that I thought was interesting was uh, that when you're talking about fear and how you have to kind of embrace that to be fully human. And one thing I've seen is that people who, you know, it's very easy to push these experiences and, memories away and not deal with it. But what I'm trying to say is that I've seen the people who struggle with it the most are the ones that ignore those feelings and don't embrace it. So I I thought that was a a great message. And I hope that that helps other people uh, that are that are struggling with this. Yeah,
1: me too.
0: And that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for the second half of our interview with Isabel and Anna, where they talk a little bit more about their search and the challenges of identity that that brings up. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.